I'm Margaret Feinberg, and this is the Joycast. Hi again, friends. Welcome to the latest edition of the Joycast, the hap, hap, happiest half hour of your week. Once again, I'm your host, Margaret Feinberg, popsicle aficionado and author of Taste and See, Discovering God Among Butchers, Bakers, and Fresh Food Makers. Most of us are skilled at hiding our own shortcomings in everyday life. But have you ever noticed that something happens when you gather around the table? Our warts have a way of coming out. If you don't believe me, think back to your last Thanksgiving meal or 4th of July cook-off. Most of you could recount a story of someone who said something so awkward, no one knew how to respond. The uncle who kicked off a political argument that nobody wanted to have. The friend whose offhanded comment cut you deep. The table has a way of unmasking us, revealing our imperfections and woundedness. This tendency challenges us in at least two ways. First, how do we join a table that should be a place of unity, community, and joy in the midst of our brokenness? Second, how do we respond with compassion when we encounter someone else's brokenness? These questions are unavoidable if we want to experience the joy of the table. One of the most frequent themes in the New Testament is mealtime. But if you look closely at these meals, you uncover a rhythm. As Eugene Peterson points out, there is a pattern of being blessed, broken, and given. Peterson says, These three elements are the shape of the Eucharist. They are the shape of the gospel. They are the shape of the Christian life. The table is not just a place where hungry people gather to eat. It's a place where broken people gather to belong. Touched by the blessings of God and the food before us, and called to give our whole selves away for the sake of those gathered with us. In the brokenness we gather, but in gathering, we are made whole. That's why today, I'm thrilled to gather at the table with my friend, Angie Smith, author of Chasing God. Her words and insights are a feast. And as a bonus, she is downright hilarious and her laugh is contagious. And one of my favorite parts of the interview, she shares two words you can speak when you feel overwhelmed by the brokenness of life. I really believe these words have the power to set you free. So pull up a chair at our table. You don't want to miss this. Hey, Angie, I am so excited to have you on the Joycast today. I'm so pumped to be here. I know every time I get to see you at an event and hang out and share a meal, you are just, you are pure joy. You make me giggle. You make me laugh. You <laughs> remind me about what it means to be human. Um, we've had some just funny moments together of stress and anxiety and, and just kind of having each other back because when you're on the road and you're at events, anything can happen. 
and it's like help help and um and i'll say this help help and we're just there for each other and so i love it but one of the things that i notice in your life is and and as your friend is you have had a run of just crazy curveballs being thrown at you and and sometimes it's it's like god why why can can you please can you please just make it stop can can she catch a break um and yeah, for our listeners, would you be willing to just share kind of an overview of kind of the journey that you've been over on the last couple of years and some of those crazy curveballs that that just keep coming? Yeah, I mean, it was. I I think there's always been moments where I've had brokenness. A lot of people know my story and know that I lost my daughter. Um, she'd be ten now, and so, and the next month, my nephew passed away of SIDS, um, and so that time period. And then there were just like a few things. It felt like, and I know this isn't biblical, but it felt, it just felt clustered, you know, like all in one thing, like what, okay, what's the next thing that's going to happen. And then I feel like there was a period of time where things seemed relatively calm, at least as far as major issues or tragedies. And then um, about a year and a half ago, we were at the beach and um, I'm, I'm pretty, open about just my life. And, um, but my, I have a mother who's extraordinarily uh, mentally ill. She really doesn't get out of bed very much. Um, and I have a grandmother who just turned 100 and my father takes full-time care of them. And so a year and a half ago, he was just determined to get to the beach and he hadn't been in years. It's his favorite place. And so uh, by some act of God, he figured out a way to like rig the car Anyway, he and my mother and my grandmother came down to the beach and, um, long story short, we just had this really sweet time and I convinced him to ride a bike with me to the beach and he was just smiling and has this little fedora on that he always wears. And, um, we got back and something was just not right. And he was having some testing done and he found out that he had colon cancer about two days after we got back. But in addition to that, he had suffered several massive strokes. They said probably either while we were at the beach or while he was driving home. And so on top of dealing with cancer treatment, he's been, you know, not himself. And so he's just, you know, I could cry about it, but he's just not there um, the way he always has been for my entire life. And so uh, he's just kind of the hero of mine and my sister's lives. And so we took over, my sister lives in Nashville as well. We took over like full-time care, like, okay, home healthcare workers. I'm trying to figure out like, how does Medicare work? I don't know. Like I'm full power of attorney over all the people now. And it just sort of like talk about a curveball. I mean, I'm running people's lives and having to call all the numbers, all the things that are so over my head, I'm paying taxes. I'm like, I don't know how to pay taxes. So Jen and I, my sister and I are just in it together. And, um, about six months ago, she was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. And so like on top of dealing with everything with my dad to have that thrown at us and then going through chemo and, I mean, Jen for a while didn't want to tell my dad and they have the same doctor. There was a point where they had appointments back to back at the same doctor. And my sister was like hiding until my dad left and then she went in. So it's just because he's not really able to comprehend it or be a dad the way he would have been. So there's just a grieving, you know, for the way things used to be. And I, I find that that's sort of the place that I'm 
stuck these days. But I will end this little segment by saying that um, uh, about maybe a week and a half to two weeks ago, we went in and they had said, like, this is not, the, the tumor was very large. Um, and my sisters will actually both, but specifically for this story, my sisters. Um, and again, it's like one of those quirky cases where they didn't catch it because there was, you know, just a lot of weird details. Um, and so the woman was very blunt. Um, and when she went in, they were like, here are your percentages. And she's just, she's the Christian I've always wanted to be, except for she doesn't know Christ. And so she went in a few weeks ago and I was the only one with her. And, um, they said, you're cancer free after this treatment and her surgery. And so there are always beautiful things. And I know that, and this one happened to be pretty swift in comparison to others, but yeah, I mean, it just felt like a lot, a lot. And they still, who is living with you and, and, and do you have any other siblings? Well, right now, I mean, like in my, obviously my house are my people, um, but no, I don't have any other siblings. So, you know, the two of us were like the, we were the powerhouse duo. And then of course she had to be taking care of that, but she's the most tenderhearted, kind, selfless, like the morning of her surgery at seven, you know, six in the morning, she's texting me saying, Angela, I just want you to know I'm doing great. I hope that you being in the lobby today with everyone there is not too much for you. I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. And I mean, like that is her brain going into, you know, a surgery where they're like removing part of her body. She's just incredible. Wow. But here you are, I mean, primarily carrying the burden of caring for aging parents, caring for a sister, Mm -hmm. caring for your own kids, uh, trying to maintain, you know, the writing, speaking work that feeds everyone. And how how do you, and this is also for our listeners too, because I know they want to know, how do you not get so overwhelmed? How do you, what does it look like for you as you, this is the Joycast, to 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 find ways uh, to fight back with joy, to be intentional about that in, in the midst of, of what can seem so grave, and it is, and so heavy. I drink a lot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. I just can't be serious for more than like five hot minutes. Um, no, I would say, I would say that part of it is, first of all, I, I don't feel that way all the time. I mean, sometimes like the other day I just laid on the couch and I was like, I, Lord, I just don't, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. Um, and so I think that part of it for me is stripping out things that I really don't need and getting put into a place where I'm so backed into a corner that I I have to pull away things that I've been reticent to. Um, And I don't mean that in a moral way. Like I love social media. I don't, I think there are lots of great things about it. What I found was that I'm not disciplined enough to do it um, well. And that was like just taking a lot more time than it needed to. And so again, this isn't some like I'm up on my high horse saying, I just need to pull back from, it's really not. It was more just that I'm going, man, I don't have time for this. And it's so wacky that the world has not fallen apart. I mean, it's crazy, right? Like I haven't been on social media very much. Everyone's still functioning to the best of their ability without me being on there. And so I, for me, a lot of it has been what, what are my most important roles? 
And how do I live those out well? Because there is no joy to be found when you are so busy chasing things that you are not supposed to be doing because you think that that's what's necessary. Um, and so the, the moments where I really feel hope is that I have time to breathe. And I talked to a friend the other day and I just said, I'm, I'm falling apart. And I don't even know, like, I'm really struggling. Like, I think in these moments, I'm like, I'm wrestling with my faith. I mean, I'm wrestling with everything. And she said, I want you to sit still and just remember. I want you to remember what God has done. And I did. I mean, out loud, I was saying, I remember when you did this. I remember. And there was this joy that came over me. Like, gosh, Lord, thank you for bringing it all the way back to the basics of saying, I know who you are in the midst of this. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I can trust your character. And there is joy in that. I love that. That simple practice. It's so practical for myself and for listeners. I mean, I need to do that. I love practical, Sit down. first of all. Oh, me too. I kiss it on the face every time I need it. <laughs> but just sitting and say, you know, just two words, again, two magical words. I remember and then when or what or why or it and just sitting in that and and allowing that that joy to well up because you know sometimes to i think sometimes to find the way forward we have to go to the past absolutely and and Always. that is that yeah and i think it's particularly true in our faith journeys it's particularly true in those moments when things are feeling so overwhelming my my question for you is so what I, one of the many many things i love about you is your wicked sense of humor i mean <laughs> Hey there, Zaza girl. How do you nurture? <laughs> How do you nurture? Is it just a gift? Did this come from your mom and dad? Where did you get this this incredible, uh, quick wit, sense of humor, make us pee our pants laugh? <laughs> I, you know what? That's such a compliment. Um, but I, I think I've just been a smart aleck since I was born, and I think my parents would agree with that. Um, but even in that, and I wouldn't say so much now, but because you know, I'm totally healthy and everything now, but <laughs> not at all. I would say that in the past where I have to be careful about it, not so much my wit, but being funny is that oftentimes, um, I will use that for the wrong reasons. Like if I'm in a really stressful situation and instead of like dealing with it, if I can make people laugh, I feel like that's lifted, you know, like, okay, it's not that bad if everyone's laughing. Um, and not that that is inherently bad, but I've just noticed in my life that there have been many times where I've used that as sort of like a crutch um, in in ways that I don't think it was always healthy. Like, and you don't have to be funny if you're sad. Like, and to me, it was like, I'll just deal with it using this instead of facing what's really going on. And so I, I do think I've, I have had that. And it's funny because people will comp compliment me on certain things. And I'm like, I don't see that. Like, I don't think I'm any of those things, but I like being funny. And I think that that's been something that is a part of me. It sounds like I'm like, you know what I am? I'm hysterical. That's not what I mean. I just mean, that's one of those traits that, um, I see in myself and I enjoy making people laugh like that. So I think that's what feeds it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, I have seen you, I mean, make audiences roll when you are on stage because you, your timing, your timing is so remarkable. 
It's awesome. It's awesome. So one of the places where your humor comes out is around the table, just gathering with friends. I've, I've sat at many tables with you, shared meals. It's been amazing. I'm curious what that looks like in your own home with your own family. Um, what does a meal around the table look for, like for you? I think it's hilarious that you asked that because that is sort of one of the great guilts of my parenting slash being a wife. Um, we are not great about actually intentionally always sitting around the table together. Um, and I think a lot of times it's because we're doing 10 million things and, you know, we're like, all right, throw it on the Island, you know, and that doesn't mean that we don't connect in a million other ways, but for whatever reason, that has been something that, um, I have just not been great at. And so how does it look? It looks a little bit chaotic. Sometimes doesn't involve a table. Um, and is that coffee trays? Like, are you eating on the floor? What do you mean? <laughs> no, I would say sometimes like even at different times, like, Hey, I mean, spaghetti, come grab some. Are there three of us like around the Island talking or, you know, the, just like I'm running around kind of doing other stuff while the girls are sitting in the kitchen. Um, so it's just not like I grew up actually having a dinner time at a certain time. And my mom would call and be like dinner, you know, and we don't do that. I feel like it's not, um, as established or it's not like a set time. We don't always do the same thing. And yeah, I, I hate to say it, but I feel so much guilt about that. I, we, we have great lives and love for each other, but that is one way that I wish I had been and will be more intentional. You say that, but I think that it's important for our listeners and for all of us to remember like a table, gathering around a table isn't about just a physical table. It's not just about that. And so when you're standing around the kitchen and you're talking, whether you're eating, you know, nuts or just drinking water, like that, that is table time. Uh, sometimes table time is in the car with, you know, to go bags from whatever restaurant, stuffing burgers in our mouth and, but still talking and still engaging. I think there's a lot of freedom in that for people listening because I think a a lot of times, whether it's like, this is what my, my quote unquote, my quiet time is supposed to look like. This is what my Bible study is supposed to look like. This is what my prayer is supposed to look like. And at least for me, I spend so much other time like, all right, what's the rest of the pew doing here? Like, how do you do it? Do you like find a spot? Is there a gentle breeze? Like, do you have a candle? And I come up with this formula, right? Of what stuff is supposed to look like. And I think it just tortures us more than it helps. But also I love the practical. So to me, I'm like, Tell me specifically, how do you do this? And of course, for most of those, there aren't answers, but there's freedom in that. Absolutely. Okay. So now I'm going to turn the question on you. Tell us, how do you do it? How do you, what is your, what is your quiet time or what is your, your, your faith? Like, what does that look like in a daily basis? I would say it's a little bit like the sitting around the table thing. One of the things that I've realized about myself, because I'm, my brain tends to be more academic and I love, I know a lot of people listening do sort of like a checklist. Did I do this today? Did I? And it was strangling my relationship with God. And so that's not to say that I don't think you should be in your Bible every day. I do. Am I? No, not always. Um, and do I think he forgives me? Yeah, I do. But I don't want the guilt of that to, to strangle the relationship. And so one of the ways that that happened was I, and there's nothing wrong with it. And I think you should have a specific prayer time. But what I found is that it's much easier for me to be really conversational during the day um, and just say, okay, Lord, like, 
I I don't know. I feel weird about this at this moment. Like, can you just give me some wisdom or, all right, Lord, um, I'm about to do a podcast. Just help me say the right words or, um, Lord, I'm praying for my kids at school today. I want to make sure Charlotte has someone to sit next to at lunch or whatever it is. I think for a long time, I felt like, and part of it is because I became a Christian as an adult. And so I was sort of like not raised in it. And I always wanted to know, how do you do this Christian thing? So I, I, for me, and I remember someone saying, sometimes I open my Bible and I just read one verse and I just meditate and I'm like, can we do that? Like, is that, there's not, I'm thinking there's an assignment. We can meditate. Is that not wasting time? So just in small ways like that, I'm still learning, but I have found a lot of freedom in just saying like, it's okay to carve my own path with this. It's between me and the Lord, and it's not about the candles in the window and all of that. That's something that is that is at the heart of the joy cast is that sense of let us find the things that are nurturing joy in our lives, whether that is around the table, whether that is in our relationship to God with God. And in that approach, you're really asking the question, what can I do that will actually lead to a more joyful relationship with God in my and in my faith journey rather than what do I need to do? What do I need to check off a box? And that to me is life. It is life. Now, also speaking of life, I have to tell you something that brings me great life is food and especially good food. So I, something that we always do here on the Joycast before we conclude is get our guests' favorite recipe or dish. Do you have one that comes to mind that you love making, that maybe your family goes cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, that maybe your standard, your standard like guests are coming, they get this thing. What is that dish? Okay. Again, I'm the worst person for you to have on this podcast because I feel like I'm the person always going, what do you guys make? Like I went over my neighbor's the other last night and she was cutting up like sausage and like throwing stuff in it. She's like, oh no, I just buy this from Trader Joe's. It's like pie crust, throw everything in, pour eggs on it. Like I just make quiche with whatever. And I'm staring at her like her head is on fire. I don't understand what she's saying. So because I don't, I'm sorry, Margaret. I don't really enjoy cooking. Eek, I know. Um, So I would say I can make, um, this is really dumb. Brussels sprouts. I make really good Brussels sprouts. My kids will. What is your secret? What do you, what is, what makes them magical? One time I burned them and people loved it. My neighbor was over (laughs) and she's like, I have never. And her mom came over. She's like, what did you do to those? I was like, I left them in like eight minutes too long. So they're like thin and crispy and salty. Um, I also make a lot of spaghetti because I like cutting. I want to have, I want to have everything out in dishes where I pour them in like the food network. That's what I want. I think for this episode, I'm going to get from you your recipe for burnt Brussels sprouts. And I'm confident that I'm going to love it, but my listeners and our listeners will too. And so the good news for all of you listening, yep, all of you listening is we're going to have the full recipe for Angie's famous burnt (laughs) Brussels sprouts. Okay, all you have to do is log on to margaretfeinberg.com forward slash joycast, and you are going to find the full recipe for Angie's burnt Brussels sprouts, all the show notes, and ways to connect with Angie through her writing, speaking, and more. Thank you so much for being on the Joycast because you, so you are you. full of so much joy and humor and laughter, and we are so grateful. Oh, I love you, Margaret. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this edition of The Joycast. If you've enjoyed today's conversation and you'd like to dive deeper into the unexpected joys awaiting you around your table, check out my new book and Bible study, Taste and See, 
Discovering God Among Butchers, Bakers, and Fresh Food Makers. These resources will help you savor your life, nourish your friendships, and embark on your greatest faith adventure. You can purchase them at your favorite retailer or margaretfeinbergstore.com. If you do, reach out to me on social media or my website and let me know what you think. Until we meet again, bon appetit and amen.